start it. To be fair, I remember seeing these things go into malls uh, more and more back when I was about 16, 17. But how many of you guys know what this is? This is the what? Health store? Yeah, General Nutrition Center, right? Okay. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I remember these popping up like probably 10, 15 years ago now. I mean, were they around before in malls? Like, okay, they were? Okay. So then I only took note of it 10, 15 years ago. Anyhow, the only reason I remember it stood out to me was because back when I was doing track, we had a lot of guys who were taking like protein supplements and stuff uh, to help build muscle in their bodies and, and things like that. Uh, but, of course, these centers carry more than just protein, right, powder. They carry a lot of different things. And so you'll see that they'll have stuff from protein powder to vitamins that you can buy to natural supplements and things like that. These things are all good, right? Uh, the goal of taking these vitamins or supplements is what? Help your body grow, right? And sometimes we take vitamins, we'll take pills and stuff like that, right? Uh, fish oil pills are supposed to help memory uh, I always made fun of my dad because he had terrible memory growing up. Uh, but there, well, at least when I was living at home, we were always joking around. But the fish oil pills—I mean, I don't know if you've seen them. If you take them, they're big. They're—they're they're not easy to swallow. Uh, but the doctor will assign you to take vitamins too, and, and pills if you have like an iron deficiency. They want you to take iron supplements. Why? To help your body get the vitamins that it needs to grow properly. And some people take vitamin C, right? The vitamin C there is to help build your immune system to grow you stronger. Today what we're going to be looking at is Peter is going to be talking to Christians about how they can take supplements or vitamins for their faith and how to grow in their faith and their walk with Christ. And so we're going to see that. If you would read along with me here today, 2 Peter 1, 3-11, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us to be, or granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in, this, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is Peter talking about here in this passage? Well, if I had to summarize that, I would say this. It's, he's talking to Christians about the Christians adding to their faith assures them of growth and effectiveness and what Christ has done for them and called them to. So not only do they understand what God has done for them and gifted to them, but they understand what their role is in this world. And they will continue to, be grow, to grow and be fruitful. Now, why is this important? You have to understand some of the context of this letter. First off, we know that it was written by the Apostle Peter, as it was stated in the very beginning of this book. 
It was written around 67 AD. And it was written to the people who have obtained the faith. Now, if you look back at 1 Peter chapter 1, you're going to see that Peter writes his first letter to the churches who are dispersed, to many who have faith. Here, we don't see such a, uh, a note at the very beginning. We just simply say, to those who have obtained the faith. So he's speaking to Christians, at least. We know that. He writes this letter to the church for the purpose of helping them understand the life that they have been called to. That if they do not work and grow in their faith, if they don't continue in this, there's a serious chance of them being led astray by the false teachers who are coming into the church. Peter will go on in this letter to talk about the judgment that's coming to those false teachers and those who are leading people away from Christ. And the the judgment that's coming on the world because of wickedness. And he's warning Christians, if you want to be safe, if you want to safeguard yourself, you have to grow in your relationship with Christ. You have to grow in your understanding of who he is and what he's done for you. Otherwise, there's a real danger in it. And so he gets into this passage. He starts his letter off with this section that we just read. So let's take this and break down a little bit. The first part, verses 3 through 4, is what I call the divine blessing from God. Peter focuses first off of what Christ has made available to Christians through what Christ has done on the cross. You'll see that he says that we've been granted, we've been gifted, or it's this idea of giving to a person. If you've been here for the last couple weeks, you know that Paul's been talking about grace. Now grace is the gift. Peter is using this very like this very similarly. But he lists a couple different things that the, uh, different than Paul does. First he says we've been granted life, which is this eternal life. Then we've been granted godliness, a way to live godly in this world, to do the right things of what God has called us to do. Then we see God's glory. We're, we're a part of God's glory. We're a part of God's excellence. These are deep thoughts for Peter. We, as Christians, are a part of God's glory. We not only get to bring him glory, but we are a part of it. We're also a part of God's excellence, showing how good God is in his creation. We also receive the promises. We've been granted the promises that God has made to us. It all comes through Christ, having that relationship with Christ, knowing what Christ has done on the cross, how he died for our sins and made it possible for us to come back into a right relationship with him. But Peter doesn't stop there. He continues on. He says, now we're also partakers of the divine nature. Christ made it possible for us to be a partner in this. If you've been through my summer series, The Lost Purpose, Lost World, you know that we've looked at this, how part of marriage is this partnership. And we said that partnership is doing things together to achieve the same goal. So for Christians, being a partner with God in this divine nature is what? It's working together for this common goal of bringing God glory. And so we now have this partnership through Christ with God. We are working together with him. But Peter goes on and he says, we also avoid the corruption of this sinful world through sinful desires. Simply stating that what? The world is following after sinful things. They are corrupt in doing so. But Christians don't have to do this. We now have the ability to flee the coming judgment. To flee the sin that's in our life. We don't have to do it because of what Christ has done for us. 
Peter starts his letter off with these divine blessings from God. And then he continues on to the second section, the spiritual supplements and vitamins, verses 5 through 7. Notice, Peter connects this. Because of what, Peter, what Christ has done, make every effort to supplement your faith. So notice that he puts this responsibility on Christians. We have a responsibility in growing our faith and our walk with Christ. But he says to supplement our faith. What does it mean to supplement? Okay, a supplement is simply an add-on to give, provide, to supply, or to furnish. If you take a supplement pill, you know that you're supplying your body with a vitamin or a mineral or something that it needs. Okay, and there's multiple different kinds of supplements. Another way of looking at this is the idea of furnishing. If you've ever bought a house that's empty, you know that the house is good, right? Okay, so I've got a picture up here of an empty house. You guys can all see that. The house will still protect you from weather. It will still keep you warm. But it's not that comfortable to live in, right? So naturally, the next step that you're going to do is what? Furnish it, right? You're going to go get furniture. And so you see in the next picture, there's a couple putting in a couch, right? You put in couches, you put in flowers, you put in pictures, you put in whatever. You furnish the house. You add to the house, right? And so Peter uses this word. He says, look, the house is the faith. You have the faith. You have the essence of the building. It will protect you. It will save you. It will keep you. But there's some things that... To, in order to grow, to have a successful spiritual life, to grow in Christ, you have to add. You have to bring into this relationship. So Peter lists a few different things in what a lot of people would call the spiritual ladder. All right? And so simply he starts off with faith. So you, it all starts with faith. This is the foundation of it. It's this belief in who God is and what Christ has done about who we are, how we've sinned and separated ourselves from God. It's placing our faith that God is the only salvation we're going to find. It all starts with that. But notice Peter doesn't say, well, that's it, right? He goes up. The next step is what? Virtue. Now, virtue, to me, when I was reading this, seems like a really high and lofty word, right? If I asked you to explain what virtue is, what would you say? We all kind of know what it means, but... When we're asked to explain it, it's a whole other thing, right? So what is virtue? What are we adding to virtue? Okay, Virtue is simply character or moral excellence. It's simply about what kind of decisions we would make when we're alone. Do we understand what is right and wrong? What is truly inside of us, our character, our deepest being? So from our faith, we work on who we are at our core. From there... He moves on up. He says, to knowledge. This is simply the idea of understanding. Understanding what? It's understanding God's will for our life. Understanding what God wants us to do, how to live, what he's said to us, what he's explained to us and revealed to us. From knowledge, he goes on, and he says it leads to self-control. Self-control is the being able to withstand one's desires and cravings. But it's so much more than that. Usually we just stop there and we say, okay, well, I have self-control if I'm not drinking 20 cases of Mountain Dew this week. I really like Mountain Dew. So I don't do that anymore. But here's the thing, right? You have to have self-control. But self-control isn't just drawing away or pushing away something that's bad for you. It's also about what? Doing actually what you 
supposed to do. Yeah, right. So if you've ever started lifting weights, you know that you have to have some type of self-control because it's really easy to just stop and never pick up a weight again. Okay, so self-control, it's this idea of to be disciplined in training. And so Peter makes it clear. Understanding or knowledge leads to self-control. Self-control leads you to steadfastness. Being firm in your faith. Being able to stand against the attacks and the pressures that are coming at you and not compromising your ground. To be firm or planted in it. From steadfastness, it leads to godliness. Living the life that God wants you to live, even though things will get tough and hard. Even though you're going to have tough decisions, you're going to make the right one because of what Christ has done. From godliness, it goes on to brotherly love. Having a love or a compassion or an affection for each Christian. For your brothers and sisters in Christ, you want to be with them. You want to encourage them. You want to grow with them. And then finally, he goes on and he says, look, it leads to this unconditional love. Brotherly affection to love. This is the agape love. It's simply a love for all people and treating everyone with kindness, even though it's undeserved. Even though it's undeserved. It's the same kind of love that God has for us. So Peter says, look, if you, if you want to grow in your faith, you need to make every effort to add to your faith these things. And Peter goes on, he says in this last part, in 8, eight through 11, what are some of the benefits of spiritual supplements then? He makes the point, look, growing in one's faith is never meaningless. So here's some things that are benefits to you. If you continue to work in your faith, grow in your relationship with Christ, what's going to happen? He says the first thing is, it will keep you from being an ineffective Christian, an unfruitful Christian, a blind Christian, and a forgetful Christian. Let's start with ineffective. What does it mean to be ineffective? This last Monday, I was weed whacking uh, our, our yard, and my weed whacker finally kicked the bucket. The piece that actually cuts the twine when it extends uh, broke off, and the siding, the plastic siding, actually wore down from the string hitting it so much. So I had to get out my knife and start cutting the twine. The problem was when I got my knife out, it was so dull, and when it cut this small, itty-bitty piece of twine, I mean, it's .06, like, 5 millimeters. Like, it's not even that big. My knife should have gone right through it. But because my tool was dull, it was ineffective, right? I couldn't cut it. So I went, and I got scissors, and got it, okay? We all understand that. None of us want to be an ineffective Christian for Christ. We all have ministries. We all have opportunities that we want to be successful at. But here's the problem is if we're not growing in our relationship with Christ, if we're not growing in our faith, Peter says, look, it can actually make you ineffective, useless for God. You become something that God can't use because you're not effective. You're not going to do what he wants you to do. And so Peter says, look, if you grow in your faith, it keeps you from being ineffective. We all don't want to be there. But then he says it also keeps you from being unfruitful. Unfruitful. This is the changes that takes place in your life. If you work on your faith, if you grow in your relationship, you're going to naturally see the changes that God is making in you. How he's shaping you more into his image. But if we're not growing in our relationship with him, if we're not growing in our faith, what happens? We don't see those changes. We don't see the things God's doing. And we wonder, why not? It's because we, we've stopped working on it. We've stopped growing. 
Peter goes on, he says, then it makes you blind. It makes you blind. Blind to what? Blind to your sin. You don't see an issue with how you're living. Chasing after sinful desires. You just don't see the wrong in it. And finally, it makes you a forgetful Christian. It makes you forget what Christ has even done for you. It's out of your mind. You don't even think about it. In the Good News Service, we talked about what it means to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why does Paul command that? Because he wants you to be focused on it. Peter says the same thing. If you're growing in your faith, guess what? It keeps you remembering what Christ has done for you, what he's given to you, what he's granted you to be a part of. So growing in your faith keeps you from being a forgetful Christian. Notice that these things are this like downhill slide here. It starts with ineffectiveness. Then it moves down into unfruitful. Then it moves down into you don't even see your own problems to finally the part where you just forget completely about God and you live for yourself. Peter doesn't stop there. He continues on. He says, growing in one's faith and being diligent in it produces assurance, safety, and eternal rewards. Let's talk about the assurance part. You know, in the good news, or in the um, perspective members class, you know, we talk about security of salvation, right? You know, that's a key belief for Christians, that we're secure in our salvation, that nothing can pull us out of the hand of God. But the problem is, when we're not working and growing in our faith, we question whether we're saved. You see, the doubt doesn't come when we are growing. It comes when we stop growing. And so Peter makes it very clear. If you continue to work on these things, guess what? You're going to be assured. You're going to know that you're saved. That calling, that election that you've been called to, that you've been ushered into, is secured. The next one is safety. What does he mean by safety? Safety from sin. It keeps you from falling. Working and growing in your faith and your relationship with Christ will always lead you further away from sin. But notice, the flip side is also true. When you grow in your relationship with sin, what happens? It leads you further and further away from Christ. And so Peter makes this very clear. If you work in your faith, it leads you further from sin. It will keep you safe. And finally, eternal rewards. If you're like me, when you read that last line here, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Makes you think, okay, maybe Peter's talking about like a works-based salvation here because I'm supposed to be working on this and then my reward is this entrance into the eternal kingdom. But that's, that's not really what Peter's trying to connect to his readers here. It's this idea of a richly, you'll be richly provided at entrance. So the best way I could explain to, to this to you is in two ways. The first one is when you, when you walk into church and no one greets you, that's one thing. When you walk into church and everyone greets you, it's a whole nother, right? Or let's think about it like this. If it's your birthday, they put you up on a, on a stool or a chair or something, and everyone is singing to who? They're recognizing you. They're singing happy birthday to you because it's your birthday, right? Okay, we all, we've all been through that. We've all had that, right? What Peter's trying to communicate is that in your, when you come into the eternal kingdom, guess what? It's not just like, hey, one person's greeting you. It's a whole celebration. 
Because you have been effective for Christ. You've made an impact in people's lives. Your rewards are there in heaven. There's a huge difference here. He's not saying that you'll, you'll, if you work on your faith or you grow in your faith or you do all of this, this work-based salvation. He's not saying that. He's simply saying that there will be a celebration at the door of the kingdom for you. Because you were the good, effective, faithful, steward, servant of Christ. And you made a difference in people's lives. And so Peter makes it very clear. We have access to these spiritual supplements. We're supposed to grow in these spiritual supplements and vitamins because of what Christ has done for us. And they lead us and keep us safe from harm. Now, what are some principles that we can learn from this? The overall one is simply this, that Christians are to make every effort to grow in their faith if they want to be effective and fruitful before Christ. But the four that we see mainly in this passage are these. That first off, God gives us the ability to grow and flourish in our relationship with him. It all starts with faith in God. It's the foundation. It's it's the root. It's what gives us the ability to do any of this. It's because of what Christ has done. It's that relationship with him. The second thing is this. Faith for the Christian will always drive their relationship with Christ to grow. Our faith should cause us to want to grow in our relationship with Christ. It shouldn't be like, oh, I'm saved, I'm good, I don't need anything anymore. It should make us want to push further, push forward. The next one is this. Godly character is not automatically given to Christians, but it is commanded to be worked on throughout their life. First, please note this, that in this passage, what happens? He's not saying because you're saved, you have all of these things. He says, make an effort. Guess what? We have a responsibility as Christians to do something, to work on our faith, to grow. It's not automatically given to us when we're saved. But we're commanded to work on it throughout our life. Now, that's key because notice that that means that this will take time. It is a process. All right? If you think about lifting weights for for just one moment, or we'll we'll talk about vitamins here in a second, but let's talk about lifting weights for a moment. You know that after a week of lifting weights, is there much change to your physical, physical structure? No. It takes time to see the results of your training, of your working out. If you walk or if you run, it takes time, right? There's not instant results to this process. Think about vitamins. You get sick, a lot of people pop in vitamin C, right? They start taking all of these things. Um, They expect, what, instant results for it, for their body to fight it. But it takes time for their body to fight the illness, the sickness. Vitamin C isn't a cure-all, right? It just boosts your ability to fight things. But it still takes time. We need to understand the Christian life is going to take time. It is a process of growth. But it takes our entire life. So that means if you're 80, if you're 90, you don't get to stop. Well, I worked on it all my life. No, you have to continue. It doesn't mean that you've been saved for 20 years. You can stop. Because there's still more room to grow. There's always more room to grow. It's a lifelong process. You don't get to stop in this. You have to daily continue to walk and grow in your faith. The last thing here is that Christians who grow in their faith keep themselves from being ineffective and blind. If you ask yourself, why isn't God using me, it could be a good chance that you're stopped growing in your faith, that you've stopped working on that relationship with him. 
If you don't see God changing you, if you don't see the issues that you need to fix in your own life, it could be that you're blind, that you're being unfruitful. In fact, if you're living your life and you just completely forget about God and Sunday rolls around, oh yeah, I guess I should probably go to church, there's a good chance that you're not working on your faith, that you're becoming ineffective. You see, Peter makes this very clear to his audience, to his readers. You don't want to be like this. There's real danger in this. You want to continue to grow and work on your faith. So what's some application that we need for us today? How do we apply this passage into our lives? So the first one is this, that we all need to understand what Christ has made available to us through salvation. We all have to understand. We need to remember the price that he paid for for us to obtain or partake in it. We need to remember constantly the blessings and power that comes with salvation. What he's given to us. What he's made us a part of. We need to remember that he saved us from our sin. Not just some of our sin, but all of it. That he paid that price on the cross. He took our punishment. And we need to remember the goal is in heaven and eternal rewards, not just here and now. You see, we need to understand what it is Christ has done for us. It all starts there. Peter makes it very clear. It all starts with what Christ has granted and given to us. That's our motivation. That should, that's what motivates us to do the hard work ahead. The next thing is that Christians need to pray for diligence and passion for the work ahead. I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of times I've started lifting weights and I've lost passion after a week of doing so. So guess what? I stopped. <laughs> I bet you can't tell that, my flimsy arms. The fact of the matter is, you need patience, right? Or not patience, sorry. Passion. You need passion to do something. If you lose your passion, you just want to stop doing it. And what I want to encourage you today is that you need to pray for diligence, consistency, in your relationship to grow with him, but also passion to do so. God will put the passion for you to grow closer to him in your hearts. He will continue to conform you to the character that he wants you to. But we also have a role to play in this, which is the next one, C, or or number three here. Uh, Christians are called to add to their faith godly characteristics. Notice what is absent from this entire passage. The Holy Spirit, right? He doesn't bring that in. He makes it very clear what Christ has done for us, what he's given to us. But he says, you are to make every effort. Because Peter's focusing on the responsibility and the role of a Christian to work on their faith, to grow in their faith constantly. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to, the power to, the discipline to. But we have responsibility as well. We can't just say, well, if God wants me to grow in my relationship, God will do the work. The answer is no, he won't. We have a role to play in it. That's why we we are called to be diligent in adding to our faith or growing in our faith. Then the final one here is that Christians must be diligent to their calling. We must be diligent to our calling. God has called us in a relationship with him. And the fact of the matter is when we blow it off, it's... Could you imagine a husband doing that to his wife, not ever wanting to grow in their relationship, not do anything, not talk to him? It's absurd, right? That's not what a marriage is based off of. You want to grow in a relationship. You want to grow closer together. You want to be diligent in growing that relationship. 
But for so many people, we're quick to say, I, I, I'm good. I don't, need, I don't need to keep working with God. I don't need to continue to be in his word, to focus on what he asks me to do. I don't need to continue to work on my faith. I'm good. I got saved. I, I'm, I'm okay there. The answer is no. If you want to be a successful Christian, if you want to be an impactful, meaningful, effective Christian, a fruitful Christian, you have to continue to grow in your faith. So as we close today, I just want to ask you a few questions. The first one is, are, you driven by, or are, are we driven by our faith to grow in our walk with Christ? Is our faith pushing us, giving us a desire to continue to walk with God, to grow in our relationship with him? Remember, a seed doesn't turn into a full plant right away. It takes time. It takes process. Where might we find ourselves in this list according to Peter in our faith walk? What do we need to work on? What are we working on currently? What's our next step? That ladder is supposed to be an example for us. Just to know where to go, what to work on, what, what is connected to what. And finally, do we remember what Christ has done for us and what he's actually called us to be a part of, what he's granted us a privilege of being a part of? We're supposed to remember that, recall it daily. Because it's through that that it motivates us to continue in our journey with him, our walk, our growth with him. So I want to ask you, are you being an effective Christian or ineffective? Are you taking your spiritual supplements, your spiritual vitamins today? I want to, call, I want to encourage you to think through this. How is your relationship with Christ growing? What do you see coming out of it? I want to encourage you to continue to grow in that relationship and work on these Work on these spiritual supplements, these spiritual vitamins. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, Lord, again, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can have this personal and intimate relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done on the cross and what you've given us access and a privilege to be a part of. Not only have you given us the Holy Spirit, but you've promised us life. You've promised us, promised us the ability to live godly. You've promised us the promises that you've made to us. All of these things are through you. And Lord, I want to pray that today as a Christian, that those will motivate us to continue to develop our relationship with you, to walk constantly and diligently with you and grow deeper in our relationship with you. Lord, help us to to work on our faith, to continue to grow. Lord, wherever it may be on that ladder, Help us to think through about how we're going to take the responsibility to grow. And Lord, I want to pray that we won't be ineffective, that we won't be unfruitful, but that we can be used by you to make the most of every opportunity that you present to us in our lives. Lord, I want to pray that you just continue to be with us, continue to speak into our hearts and our minds, and help us recall what it is that you've done for us each and every day as we go throughout this next week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.